Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Kids, um, I believe it's kindergarten and down, or under kindergarten, right? Five and under. There we go. Let's do that. Five and under, you're dismissed. Um, I see a few. So, how are you? There is no place like home. I uh, spoke out last weekend um, in central eastern Ohio, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I value the opportunity to be able to do that, um, but at the same time, I sent... Um, uh, Dorothy, you know, on Wizard of Oz, clicking the heels to all the pastors' uh, text group. Like, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. So just super thankful to be back. And, uh, man, what a great weekend, right? NCAA tournament was amazing. You thought I was going to the women's conference, didn't you? I've heard that was amazing, too, but I wasn't here for that. I, uh, we, our household, we really get into the tournaments. And uh, Nicole does as well. She, she really gets into the tournaments. And uh, I was this early, like midweek, it hit us. We went to the first four at UD, and it hit us like, uh, wh- what were you doing scheduling the women's conference on the first weekend of March Madness? So uh, we get into it. We love it. If you saw our post, like we got shirts and everything. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It, and and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I am a March Madness fan. And uh, it's just something about the hype. And uh, I fell asleep last night on the couch, and uh, I saw where Texas Tech came back and beat Florida. I fell asleep during that game. I'm like, no. And then I saw the game after that was, uh, it appeared the score looked like it may have been really good as well. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's good. How many feel good and alive in Jesus? If you don't yet, I hope you will by the time you leave here. You should always leave better than you came in. And I don't know if you're like us. We're like hustling out the door, yelling at kids, get in the car. Usually it's Chloe. Chloe, get in the car. We're not going to wait on you. We're going to leave you. You know, one of those things. Uh, but today, Chloe was one of the first ones in the car with me. And uh, so it was, I was really proud of her today. Uh, but, you know, I remember even um, when we used to live a little further from the church than, uh, than the 27-second drive we have now, uh, it would be like the morning that Nicole and I are going to fight, it's going to be Sunday morning. Like, like if there's a morning we're going to bicker, it's going to be Sunday morning, right? And it's like, it's like hell is trying to break loose to prevent you from getting what you need and desire and, and like would benefit you at church. And he's trying to rob that. So, so we just give, we don't like to give him more credit than he's due, but we'd love to give him a black eye. And, uh, and I know there was a lot of things this week up that's leading up to the women's conference too, just a, a ton of just little nasty little things that the devil's trying to do. And, uh, but how many know that God wins? Like, Jesus wins. He, he not only conquered death, hell, and the grave, but he conquered everything in your life. Like, he conquered everything that hell is meant for you. He conquered it. Everything that the devil is trying to take you off course and steal your joy and steal these things that, that are rightfully your, yours as an heir to the king, like, he's already won it, right? So um, I, I'm just going to talk a little bit about today, and I'm going to try to bridge in the, the things leading up to Holy Week as well as, Nicole's going to speak next week uh, for Palm Sunday, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for Holy Week. Easter definitely is one of my favorite holidays, and, and just, um, I, I love it. It's like comparable for me to Easter without the busyness of the commercialism. 
in a sense. You know, I love the gifts. I love giving gifts. I love receiving gifts, too. Uh, but Easter kind of removes some of that pressure and some of that commercialism to where now it's just Jesus and family. And uh, so I, I love that. So I'll try to tie some of that in. But I also want to tie in the, the women's movement. The women's movement. Uh, Chris Valentin preached a message some years ago about the women's liberation. And, um, but but I, what we do here is, like, we really mean it. I'm not going to speak a message on the women's liberation and then on Sundays no women ever speak. <laughs> it's amazing that there's churches out there that speak these, these things about the empowerment of women, but yet women still aren't leading in the ministries and speaking on the platforms on Sundays. I'm, I'm just calling it what it is. We can't sit there and say that we're going to empower women, but then the women never get the microphone. Like, there has to be this transition of say, yeah, actually, we actually mean what we say, and we're actually empowering women. So this weekend, the women led their own conference. I think there was a male drummer some of the time, all right? Going to throw Maury under the bus a little bit. Um, but anyway, it was a completely women's-led thing. And, and, you know, you come here on a Sunday, and, and, and it's this, this freedom that women get to do the transition in the mic. Why? Because God empowered women. I'm not empowering women. <laughs> Nicole and I aren't empowering women. It's, it's just natural because we're only recognizing what God is doing in their life. You know, when Sue spoke up here and left her testimony uh, a year or so ago and share your story, what an amazing story. And then she spoke Friday night. And, and I, after hearing her story on the platform, I go around bragging about her to everybody I know. There's these, there's these empowering things. And uh, before I get started, we're going to call up, I think Katie is, is going to leave her testimony about the weekend, a very, very short testimony. Uh, is she in here right now? Yes, there you are. Come on, Katie. Uh, we're proud to have you back from YWAM. Uh, she was at Youth with a Mission, even went overseas, and uh, I think my wife took the microphone, so uh, we're going to find one here. Oh, sweet. Good. All right. That's for you, actually. There you go. Uh, we're going to let Katie just leave her story, her two to three minutes of what happened to her over the weekend, uh, and then I'll try to tie everything in and, and what's happening in the women's movement, but I'm also going to call forth the guys to man up. So, so if you're here and you're a dude and you're like, oh, he's going to talk about women. No, I'm going to talk about, whoa, man. <laughs> Andrew, can we get a mic turned on, please? And Nicole, I don't know where your microphone went. We'll get it together. Nope. We good? All right, try it now. Hear me? Yep. Okay. So before I came to this women's conference, I struggled with something called insignificance. That was the wall that I was hiding behind. And um, that's actually a fruit of inferior pride. And I thought things and believed lies like, I'm too small, I'm too quiet, I'm too ordinary, I'm just a girl from a small town, I can't make much of a difference in the kingdom. And towards the end of the Saturday afternoon session, um, they had us get alone with the Lord, and they gave us a song, Come Out of Hiding by Stephanie Gretzinger, which is a very like powerful, like intimate song. And um, we were just challenged just to listen to the Lord and see what he had to say. And... Um, the Lord just said, insignificance means not seen. And God said, 
I see you, therefore you are not insignificant. Insignificant in my eyes means is like is impossible. And he said, let me strengthen you. Come out from behind the wall. You can't hide from me. I see right through the wall. This is your breakthrough. He said, honey, I love you, and I want you to be all that I created you to be, fearless and as bold as a lion. So that was just really powerful for me. So, yeah. one, one thing we're going to have her do. Can you just pray for everybody? Hold your hands out and pray that they will know their significance unto the Lord. You can do it through the mic. Yep. There you go. Yep. Just pray for everybody. That's the same thing you got, you're going to impart to them for, through the Lord of significance. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you that um, you gave me this revelation of um, being significant in your eyes and being enough for you. And Father, I ask that you just give them this same revelation in the way that they need it the most. I ask that you would just cut off any lies that, um, from their past that keep haunting them in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would just release a powerful revelation of how much they mean to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Perfect. Thank you. Come on. Yay, Jesus. Yay, Lord. All right. So, um, you know, I just, I think that God has, has empowered women. God has created this movement. Um, and if, even if you look back to Genesis, Genesis 2, where he's creating uh, all of creation, and, and he goes, what happens is, he says, yeah, actually, uh, man, you're not good enough. Like, that's basically what happened. You, I need to make you a helpmate. You're lonely. And, and what you have isn't, isn't enough. Um, we'll, we'll get there in Scripture. But he's basically saying, you need help. You need help working the ground. You need help doing these things. And uh, so I'm going to make you a helpmate. And then came Eve. You know, so, so women were, were birthed from God. Like, this is not something to where we, we just keep them behind us and, and okay, yeah, they're, they're only good for what we need, right? Um, no, there's so much value in what, what you women and your beauty and your caring. Proverbs, Proverbs 31 wasn't just about a virtuous woman. It was about a virtuous church. We represent the bride. Like, God values women so much that he literally calls us, all of us, men included, the bride, so he is the groom that's returning for this beautiful bride, and, and so much so that what he loved and, and what he, he, he's given his life for, he died for, he calls us the bride. So, so as we look through scripture, uh, there's several things. You know, it was Abraham that fathered the nations, but it was, it was Sarah that, that raised the world changer, Isaac. And, and we, can, we can keep going here. It was God who placed Jesus, but Mary who raised the Messiah, Okay, and, and, and as you go, it was Esther that changed the history of a nation. It was Ruth whose character placed her into the home of Boaz as an influencer. It was Tabitha that actually replaced the fallen disciple. Are, are, you, are you getting the, the drift here? It was Mary who created the atmosphere and worshipped at Jesus' feet, but it was Martha who got everything ready, cleaned, and prepped for the meal and for the gathering of the people. And, and we, can, we can literally keep going, and uh, there's one that I'm going to just, just kind of hone in on here for a minute. Mark 14, the woman who, who poured out the expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. Now, this was one of the first things leading up to Holy Week. This is one of the first things before Jesus goes and pays the ultimate price for, for you and I and, and, and raises from the dead and, and is now joined with the Father in heaven. This is one of the first things that happens. He comes to this house. They're gathering, it says, as he's reclined back in the chair. So we'll just start there at verse 3, Mark 14, 3. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, 
A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Now listen, this is the man's perspective of what just happened. Men, isn't it amazing that more and more our wives and those loved ones in our life that are females start to sound a little bit more like Holy Spirit? Yes. It's true that women carry this beauty and this wisdom that was actually gifted to them. So the men's perspective is, what a waste. How many men in here, we we focus on finances, and and we're like, oh, I got to pay the bill. Oh, you you wrote that check too soon, or or you, you didn't pay that yet? You know, what do you do? You know, we, we focus. Or oh, how are we going to get this? How are we, how are we going to pay that bill? You, you got this instead of this, right? Any, any guy in here but me ever kind of fallen into that trap of worrying about finances? Well, that was the men's perspective here. We could have sold that for an entire year's wages and fed the poor, thinking that was probably what was going to please Jesus. So either they were just so stressed out and not trusting the Lord, or they were people pleasers and only trying to say the right things that pleased Jesus at the time. So then it goes on to say, Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. God is now even disclosing what's about to happen. And he's saying, listen, she gets it. She's actually got some sense about her, guys. Hey, men, she's got some sense about her. She knows what's coming. She's taken this time to, to intimately, affectionately love me and pour and give all she had. Which, in my opinion, just like the woman who, who was the widow who gave it all. That, that's my portrayal of, of my mom in my life, my grandmas, my, my, my wife. It's, it's, it's within the character of women to, to give their all, to give it all. And, and they never ask for anything in return. And this is the, the beauty about a woman is, is, I'll be honest, Nicole's work ethic is way bigger than mine. She just pours herself out, never asks for anything. And, and I believe that's a character trait within the virtuous woman, within the character of woman. So here she is, and, and here he's defending her. And he says, truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will able to be told in memory of her. So this act of service, this act of worship, this act of intimacy is something that's actually going to spread out to the nations because God values laid-down lovers more than he does laborers. Like the Bible talks about laborers being few, but but God, God can recruit laborers. But the ones that have it within their heart and who he really cherishes and wants are the laid down lovers, right? They are the Marys. They are the woman with the perfume. They're the woman with the alabaster jar, you know. They're these women and these people and these men that are actually laid down lovers at the feet of Jesus, pouring out their all. Let's, let's move on. Let's go to Genesis 2, 18 through 25. I'm actually going to breeze through this for the sake of time. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. See, listen, it is not good for a man to be alone. He couldn't do it alone. He needed this helpmate that was comparable to him to accomplish what God has called him to accomplish on the earth, to be fruitful, to multiply. All right, It's a little hard to multiply, especially naturally, without both of you in the mix. That's where babies come from. My kids know about it. He brought them to the man, and uh, 
brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was the name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And, and, and I just think this is amazing. I always pictured them like laying side by side. No, that isn't what happened. He, he, he affectionately created Eve the way that he wanted her to be, to design her. And, and, I, and if there's young people in here, like, like, and you're not married, he is creatively, affectionately designing, pouring into, uh, literally raising the spouse that God's called forth for your destiny. Sometimes we get impatient. We want to rush into that, like Sarah and the baby. Like, we want to just rush into our own will and our own agenda. I find this amazing that in my life, I always pictured them just laying side by side, and they wake up, and there they are. No, he actually designed her, created her from Adam's rib, and then brought her to him. And, and that's the thing. As we pursue Jesus, anything that he's creating for us is actually just brought to us. We say it this way when we were youth pastors. If you sprint towards Jesus, you'll inherit a spouse. But if you sprint towards a spouse, it's not promised that you'll inherit Jesus. It's, it's this thing, as I go after Jesus and I go after what he wants, all of a sudden, what is being created for me? What's being designed for me? What's, what's being in my best interest? God knows my interest and my needs more than I know myself. So he's, he's creating this, and then it says, brought her. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man. Woe man. Woman. For she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. When we are in God's will and God's purpose, and as we're doing what God's called us to do, all of a sudden what happens is now we have no shame, no regrets. We're not lacking anything. We're not wanting anything out there or back there or up ahead. We are completely content, abiding, like John 15, abiding and resting in God. Now, let me go on here. This is a message not only to affirm women's, women's voice and to encourage the men to man up, but it's, it's to, and it's also to, to, to encourage men to cover our wives, to be the spiritual leaders of our home. You know, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We, we can't sit back limp-wristed like Samson and let, a, let the woman take all the blame, but also control what God's calling us to do. The same thing with Adam and Eve. Like, we want to blame Eve, guys. We really do. But if we were actually real men, that would have never happened. I, I'm, I'm just saying, we're, we're taking the fault on this one. Like the spiritual leader, the covering, meant that, that you were leading her in such a way of Christ-likeness that you're leading in such a way that she desires nothing outside of the context of her relationship with the Lord and her relationship with you. That's, that's, that's what covering is. It's, it's this covering of, of, of surrender and saying, listen, I'm going to put this safety shield around you so that you can be you and free to be the way God designed you be, when and before he brought you to me. That's, that's covering. And it's this, not a system of control, manipulation, jealousy, or abuse, which, which I fell into that before I was saved. I, extremely abusive and controlling. And I thought that was covering. I thought covering was control and manipulation. no. No, that's abuse. So, so as we go in here, you know, we see David, while, while he was supposed to be, while kings were at war, he's on top of a, of a penthouse gazing at women bathing on the rooftop and then falls to Bathsheba. And, and as we see this, like if men would just man up, 
Like we would quit blaming the women and, and actually own the things ourselves and then also allow the women to be within their beauty in the context of how they were created to be of value to us to add their wisdom because we give them a voice. It's so key that when I begin to learn how smart Nicole was, <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, she's really right almost all of the time. I should probably listen to her more often and do things the easy way rather than uh, just try to always be right and do it my way. It is being recorded. This is being recorded. We will delete this tape and use second service this week. Amen. Or edit that part out. Let me, let me just bring one more into, into the, the context here. The woman caught in adultery. Now, now this was a time where where the punishment was actually stricter for men. Where was the man? This was a woman who was caught in adultery, meaning there had to be another partner in this mix who she was caught with. But yet the Pharisees, the men, only bring her to, to the whipping post, essentially, to try to stone her. And what's God say? He digs in her dirt. He gets down to take her shame, to come down to the eye level, which she probably was, to catch her gaze, to lift it up, and to just send her. It says he didn't come to condemn her. And he said this. He simply said this. This wasn't a free pass. All right, when Messiah is telling you, all right, go sin no more, what he's saying is, now, hey, we love you. There's grace. Just don't ever do that again. Be like, okay, all right, never again. Jesus, okay, yes. But what, what's happening there is we, we tend to lose, and I, I know she likely represented the church, that she was probably in bed with another lover, the bride. And I understand that, but where was the man? Where, where was the dude in this story? It's time us men, we need to man up and then see the view and value and the beauty in these people and empower them. Let me, uh, let me land here for a minute. I don't know that I'll get to all of them, but go with me, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. I'm going to need a bigger stand. I'm getting more and more stuff. Because you know what they say, the bigger the Bible, the bigger the anointing. I got my big Bible out today. My dad used to tease me about that. All right, 1 Peter 3. And this is one of my favorite verses, and I find it interesting that many times we tend to read Scripture in the way that best suits us and for what we want in the context. For instance, we will constantly quote, and I'm saying we Christians, we, we Bible people, will tend to quote the things that are really comfortable to us and then leave out, like, like to, 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 to rejoice and to, to, to take part in his resurrection. And then it says to join in the glory of his sufferings. You don't hear that part quoted too much. Or, or the Bible says he'll honor the, the desires of your heart. Yeah, but the first part of that verse says delight yourself in the Lord. Because as you delight yourself in the Lord, it's impossible for him not to honor those desires of your heart because they're within the Lord. He, here's some others, and this is the one that I've probably heard most often through my life and through my life of being saved is, wives, submit to your husbands. How many have just heard that? Period. There's no dot, dot, dot before or after that. Anybody? Wives, submit. Some of you, of course. So, but here's, here's what it says. Every time you see that in the Bible, and I'm going to reference three scriptures. Even if I don't get to them, I'll give them to you. There's three times, and every single one of them, when the wives are confronted about submitting to the husbands, the husbands are confronted about their duty to their wife. Here's what it says. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. That's a good word. 
crickets. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. You will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. This is the beauty of a woman. It really is. And, and like I could substitute wife for Nicole in every one of these contexts, and it would be so true. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. Our budget just went up. <laughs> you should clothe. I'm just kidding. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of the old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. Now, now here's the call to men. Here's the call to the husbands. And, and men who aren't married, just start operating this and respecting and honoring the women in your life, especially your mom, and you might get somewhere, and you might actually inherit that spouse. Here's what it says. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. In the same way. In the same way. That's an equal. In the same way. So what is the same way? He's saying wives submit to your husbands, but what is he really saying here as to the husbands? In the same way. You also have to submit and honor and respect and lift up your wife. And it says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Weaker partner, literally in that context, means physically weaker. Physically weaker. That's, that's what that stands. I, I studied it. It's physically weaker. It's not emotionally weaker. It's not intelligently weaker. It's not um, with purpose weaker. It's literally only physical capability. We, we can't read into these things more than what God intended for us to do. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Imagine the call to men on that. Like literally, he's saying, if you don't treat your wife with honor and do as I'm telling you to do, your prayers may not be answered. Wow, what heavy conviction that, that brings. Go with me to Colossians 3. I am going to quickly get to all of these. Colossians 3, wives, submit to your husbands, and it's, by the way, verse 18 through 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as it's fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them hate harshly. Like, this is so good. How many, it's, I, I said this a few weeks ago in, in our, in our uh, Valentine's Day message. It's amazing how we treat those closest to us the worst. Like, they see the worst side of us. And my goal in life is that my daughters and my wife, my five girls in my life, get to see the best side of me better than what you see up here. They get to experience and see at home. And it says this. I, I included this, even though it's talking about children. There's a call here for dads. And it says this. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Did you hear that, girls? <laughs> always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. It says, fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Let, let, me, let me take a little sidestep here on sarcasm. Sometimes with play or passive-aggressive um, comments or sarcasm, we think we're joking around, but actually it's destroying relationships. We think it's funny, but the reality is it's an indirect way to convey frustration and even resentment. Okay, so, so by definition, sarcasm is the use of irony to mock or convey contempt. 
So we, we think we can joke around about this with our children, with our wife. And, and the, actually the thing is, like, when she comes out and, and asks if that dress makes her butt look big. Oh, yeah, baby, but I like it big. Okay? Maybe that's not a good example. <laughs> Fill in your own blanks with sarcasm from this point forward. I had some examples. I'm not going to name them now. But sarcasm never addresses the problem. It's actually hurtful. Sarcasm in the way of it's, it's hurtful. Like, and, and I can think of some ways in, in our life and, and how that looks and really what it is. It's, it's demeaning and it, and it actually beats down. It doesn't, words in our tongues are, are like forest fires. Although a small member of our body, they can produce a forest fire. They either give life or they bring death. And even if it's a joke through sarcasm or passive-aggressive comments, that's death. It's a slower death, but it's death. So, so let, me, let me go on here uh, to the last one, Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Now, I promise you, it's going to circle back to the, the and basically Holy Week. It says this, 5, 21. I'm going to paraphrase that because it's just really in line with what we've been reading. But this is, this is just good context. Basically, now what the Lord is doing through this scripture and through what Paul's saying is it's comparing the bride to the church. It's comparing our wives to the church. And it, it essentially goes on to say that, that husbands, it's the same call for wives to submit to their husbands. But husbands, love your wives as Christ gave himself and loves the church. That's essentially what's saying. So, so he's comparing our wives, guys, to the church. And he's saying it's our, it's our responsibility, it's our duty now to treat these ladies in our lives. And, and, and I know it says wives, but some of this isn't, isn't within context for you. So it's your moms, it's your, it's your sisters. It's, it's the, it could be even up to the point, in some instances, the lady working to you next to you in the cubicle. Or that nurse that, that works for you. Or that teacher. You know, those are the contexts here. That actually honor them and treat them with the dignity and the respect and the love that Christ treats the church. All right, let me, let me move on to the last story here. We're going to land and, and land this plane at Mark 5, 24 through 34. This is the meat right here. All right. Jesus went, this is talking about the woman with the issue of blood. It says, Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. Now, this is a, a, a woman on a constant menstrual cycle, all right, not able to being fruitful and multiply. I think sometimes the church, we get stuck in what we're always been a part of, and we can't reproduce because we're stuck on the issues that we have. So, so here's what it says. She had suffered, went through all this great effort, spent all of her money, went to all these doctors, then it says, in fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his robe, the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing into you. Look at everybody around. How could you possibly say that somebody had touched you? How do you know this? 
But he kept looking on around to see who had done it. 33, then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I I think it's time that we stop looking at women the way we see them and we stop looking at women the way that culture, the world, or other parts of the world might see them. This is a woman with an issue of blood. It's titled woman with the issue of blood. But Jesus doesn't see a woman with the issue of blood. He sees a daughter. He calls forth her destiny to see what she was called to be and calls forth to everybody around. The same thing with a woman caught in adultery. Although unclean to the culture, unclean to everybody around her, here he's calling forth her destiny, calling her affectionately daughter. I, I want to I address a few points here. That Jesus doesn't see us as unclean. He sees you for your worth and your purpose and your destiny. He doesn't see history. He sees destiny. For where you're called to be, not where you've been. Good or bad, he's still calling you to a destiny. You're here today because you still have purpose. You still have destiny. You still have a calling on your life. Now, now here's the things that I think that she was more than a slave or more than an unclean person. And here's why I think she was a daughter. And it's because of this. She wasn't an orphan. She wasn't a victim. Now, now a victim would waller at home in her bed and not try to go seek help and not try to go to the Messiah. Once you hear he's the Messiah and can do something about it. A victim would ask everybody around them to feel sorry for them. A victim would say, well, you come to me. Could you get Jesus to come to me? No, here's what happened. First off, the first reason I think she's a daughter is she recognized she had a problem and she was willing to pursue the solution, Jesus. And with Easter here, Jesus is actually the solution to every one of our problems. He he literally is the solution. He died. He's victorious. She was not a victim. She was a victor. She pressed into her healing. She pressed into her breakthrough. The other week, I talked about breakthrough and, and, and the power of breakthrough, the power of pressing in and seeking after and going after your breakthrough, not in striving and earning, but in the simple thing of just breakthrough's mine. That's what she did. She pressed into the crowd. She pressed in. She admitted there was a problem. She went after the solution, number two. And here's the thing. We tend to go searching for for people, jobs, programs. We tend to search for these things for our solution, the government, hobbies, materials. But Jesus literally is the answer. Number three, she was vulnerable. She was vulnerable. And there is a difference between transparency and vulnerability. We, We talk about it often. I've said it often. Transparency is that meatloaf that you get all the ingredients in and then you put cellophane over it. You can see that it's not mixed. You can see there's an issue in there. But there is this cellophane, there's this, there's this clear covering over it that doesn't allow me access into it. Here's what happened. She stepped out of her comfort zone. She said, no longer are the doctors am I going to chase after. I've heard about this Jesus who's a healer, who's the Messiah. I'm going after Jesus. I'm pushing my way through a crowd. She took the cellophane off and said, I've got an issue, and I'm going after the solution. She was vulnerable to admit that there was a problem. She took that off so that Jesus could actually work in it. That's the thing. Those ingredients in that meatloaf need to be mixed in. And we sometimes need to allow people in our life and those things in our life. But we have to be vulnerable enough. Let let me me just take a little sidebar here. Number four, and this is the last one, is she was real with herself. Let, Let me say it this way. It is okay to not be okay. Nicole and I, we listened to this message this week by Stephanie Gretzinger. And it was this amazing, funny Funny message on YouTube. 
And, and basically what she was saying is in the way that she was raised, it wasn't okay to not be okay. Like, honey, it'll be all right. Just, just, just get through it. You know, and she's talking about her experience and her life. And, and sometimes in the perception of churches, we've got to be perfect because the people I'm seeing on the platform certainly appear to be perfect. <laughs> no, we're not perfect. We're no different than you. Actually, we might be even a little more messed up than you. <laughs> Listen, you're only seeing an hour glimpse of me today. All right, you're seeing a half-hour glimpse. And on Facebook, you only see the best picture with the best filter I picked for the kids that are smiling at that moment. You didn't see. Hadassah, you weren't looking. Look, look at Daddy. Everybody smile. Oh, Chloe, you weren't smiling that time. Look, click, 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 right? That's, that's the mode that we're in these days. We take a 1,000 pictures to get one good one, then we add a filter to it. Like, it legitimately is okay to not be okay. Like, I, no time up here do I ever want to convey this message that you have to be perfect. Like, Nicole once read this, this book called Present Over Perfect. We have created this culture within Christianity that you actually have to be clean and you have to do this thing and you have to be perfect. Listen, God has never asked you to be perfect. You don't, you don't get in a shower and clean before you get in the shower. You don't, like, do a pre-shower to get in the shower. Like, you go into that shower, you go into that bath dirty, and you, then what happens is it cleanses you. This is the same thing with the Lord. Like, he never asked you to come into relationship with him already clean. You don't have to be clean to get baptized. Like, God washes your sins away. God cleanses you, but he also makes it so that you're, so that you're perfect and created in his image. That's how you're perfect. When you say yes to him, all of a sudden, you're now no longer a slave, no longer the old nature. You're a new creature in Christ. That's the new nature. That's, that's being un, imperfectly perfect. Let me, let me wrap that up. What if Adam and Eve were so vulnerable to the point where they actually had a conversation with God before they had a conversation with the enemy about what they may feel they may have been lacking? What would have happened if Abraham and Sarah would have actually been real with God instead of trying to take matters into their own hand? Now we have one of the largest religious entities in the world called Islam because of the seed of Ishmael that was created. What would have happened if, if so many of these other greats, what would have happened if David actually just got, was real with God? There was an instance in my life, and, and we were at a retreat at a lake, and, and it was this instance where like, I felt like something had, been, had come against a, a promise, a, a deal I had with Jesus. I put a fleece out. Basically, you know, I just said something to the point of, like, God, I'll do this all the days of my life. Just protect me in this one area. And, and that was challenged. And I told a mentor of mine, Nathan Dalton, and I was like, hey, you know, I, I just, I'm really, like, discouraged. I'm upset with God. He's like, dude, you just, just have it out with him. Like, maybe you need to go off to the dock. We were at a lake. Maybe you need to go on the dock and just yell at him. Maybe just have it out. So that's what I did. I had it out with God. I was yelling. And he, he told me this one thing. He's like, he already knows what's in your heart before you say it anyway. Like, he knows what's going on there. He knows this frustration. He knows this disappointment. He knows this anger. Be real with it. Like, own it. Like, it's okay to not be okay. The Bible talks about all these verses in the Bible. It says, you know, uh, iron sharpens iron as a friend sharpens a friend. It says, it says love one another. Be, be unified to one another. Confess your sins one to the other. 
right? There's these, there's these verses that talk about this, of basically being real with God, but also being real with each other. And it is okay to not be able, it is okay to not have all your junk together. This week I told Nicole, like, daylight savings kicked my butt. It was, it was a long ministry day for me on Sunday. I was up early to get there on time, and then I didn't get back to almost midnight. I have to be at work at Troy Fire at 7 a.m., and it was like I lost an hour the night before. Now, early, it was like Monday I called her. I was like, I'm not doing good. I am not doing good. She's like, well, what is it? I was like, I don't know. I just feel terrible. I feel negative. I just feel like junk. And she's like, well, is it this? I, no, it's not that. Is it church? No. Oh. Is, it, is it this relationship? No. Is it our marriage? No, I don't know. It's everything, but it's nothing. I don't know. I just feel terrible. And I was like, I better just let you go or my negativity is just going to seep out on you, you know? So it was like I was admitting them. I was like, and then all of a sudden she sent me that, that video, and I'm at my desk. I shut the door. I'm at my desk. And first off, like this, this message that I watched, I was laughing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm weeping. I text Nicole. I was like, this is hilarious. I'm laughing so hard. Thank you. And then I was like, now I'm weeping. And I was just like weeping at my desk. She's like, I, I said, I'm a wreck. I said, I'm a wreck. I'm weeping. And she's like, oh, praise God, you know, yay, Jesus. And I was like, and then I get home. I said, I didn't say I was wrecked. I got wrecked. I said, I am a wreck. It wasn't good. Sitting there and still mad. So, <laughs> so we talk about, but then it was like the whole week changed. But the reality was I had to be vulnerable and open and be like, I, don't, I do not got my crap together right now. I just don't have my crap together. I, I'm, I'm just junk right now. And I'm like, hey, you need to preach this week. I'm not feeling it. So anyway, she's like, nope, I'm not going to. <laughs> Let me read the last scripture here, and then we're, we're, we're done. It says this in, in 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is a great algorithm and recipe for the blessings of God. And I want to focus on the, just a couple things. If my people who are called by my name, back to God is not seeing unworth or unclean. He's not seeing junk. He didn't die for junk. <laughs> he died because you were worthy. He died because you were worth a price, and he paid it. If my people who are called by my name, that's your identity. I'm his people. I'm called by his name. I'm a daughter. I'm a son. It says, will humble themselves. Now, I'll, I'll kind of stop there. This is a great verse. It says, and pray and seek my face and see if I won't hear them, uh, forgive them, and bless their land. Like, like it's this. okay, if you do this, I'll do this. But here's the thing I wanted to focus on. If my people are called by my name, the identity, humble themselves. Humble and humility actually means I have to admit that I'm at fault at times. I have to admit I don't have it all together. I have to admit that sometimes people are just greater than me, smarter than me, more right than I am. That's humble myself means it's okay to not be okay. Let, let, me, let me close with this. The greatest travesty that we could face is one of the greatest travesties they faced back to the garden. Honestly, it wasn't the sin that was the greatest mistake. It was the fact that they tried to hide it from God and work on it themselves and add clothes to what was now shame where there was never shame. One of the greatest travesties is not to not be okay. It's not to admit that you're not okay and do something about it. That's the greatest travesty because then what happens is you get stuck there. You get stuck there. I was talking to a good friend this week about pornography addictions and, and lust. These things that are hidden is some of the greatest tools that the enemy can use. Why? Because it's done in secret. No one knows about it. 
but it cripples and it, and it paralyzes you in those secret things to where now no one can help you. Even God can't help you because you're not being open. You're not being, you're not being uh, honest about it. You're not being real. You're not being vulnerable. It's okay to not be okay. The Bible says that to, to weep with those who are weeping. It says laugh with those who are laughing, but it says weep with those who are weeping. What's that mean? The shortest verse in the Bible says Jesus wept. It means it's okay to have emotions. Jesus got angry one time because they turned the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the temple into a flea market. He flipped up tables. Like, I'm not condoning anger and all these things, but at one point, Jesus stepped into an emotion that was actually passion and anger. It was rightful, but it was passion and anger. Jesus wept. He felt feelings. Weep with those who are weeping. It just means we can't stay there. Listen, weep with those who are weeping means you just can't leave them there. Weep with those who are weeping means, yeah, you can be real, but it's our job to lead them to an encounter in such a way that Jesus did win it all. Stand with me. Women, you're one of the greatest voices in society if we allow it. Women, you're one of the greatest voices of empowerment if we actually give you a microphone. If we actually step aside and humble ourselves and know that we are called by God to honor each other, love each other, and see the value in each other. Let me pray for you. Put your hands on your heart. Jesus, I thank you for the people that are in your place today, the people that are not only in your temple physically here today, but in your temple, in your inner courts spiritually today. God, bring us in closer. God, raise up mighty warriors of men that will stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But also of virtuous women, Proverbs 31 women, that will know their beauty, know their wisdom, And know that it's not found in external beauty, but internal beauty in the secret place of intimacy with you. God, I thank you for that. I thank you that we can submit one to another, that we can honor one another and love each other. And God, above all, as we move into this Easter season and Palm Sunday next week, that we know without a shadow of a doubt that you want it all. We are not victims. We are victors because you want it all. And it's you who lives in us as the hope of glory. God, I thank you for that. We thank you for today, and we bless you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. There is a meeting that you are.